Good morning, good morning, good morning. I think that was a call for me, actually. <laughs> in, in Wonderful. Our, in our absence, Desiree said, Dad, church started on time in your absence. <laughs> we better start on time. Yes. Well, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Yes. And it's lovely to see everyone. I mean, we, we went away um, to North Wales, and it's good to go away. But it was, it's also equally lovely to come back and to be with church family. And so we've come back, um, we've had a few messages whilst we've been away, and, and someone said that um, they hope that when we come back we'll be refreshed, revitalized, and re-energized. So, yes, yeah, so... <laughs> yes. So, for, you know, for all those of you that have been away, our prayer was that for you as well. And for those of you who are yet to go away, um, we pray that for you also, that you will be refreshed. So as I said, it's great to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I just want to do um, a big shout out for Oliver because um, he had some outstanding exam results. So I just want to say... <laughs> Now, Oliver didn't just do one A-level. How many A-levels did you do, Oliver? Uh, I did five. You did five A-levels. And in the run-up to the results coming out, they were saying to us that they are marking people down back to pre-COVID, etc. not as many A's or whatever. How many did you get, friend? Uh, I got five A-stars. So the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. So we're rejoicing with Oliver and the Flavin family. Proud mum and dad, guys. Fantastic. God bless you. And we wish the same for everybody else who taking exams, got exam results. And uh, where are you going to be going, friend? Uh, I'm hopefully going to Cambridge in September. <laughs> bless you. And we'll pray for him in time when he's going. We want to believe that for all of our young children, they will not just do well, they will excel. And that they will do better than mum and dad and that they will do better than the previous generation. Because one generation are meant to commend the works to another. Well done, friend. Clap them again, friends. And we'd also like to welcome all those of you that are joining us by Facebook. So we want to extend a warm welcome to you. Is there anybody that's here for the first time? Well, um, as I said, I'm going to hand over to I hand over to you, Remy, to do the next bit. I say welcome, John, who's going to be ministering the word this morning, and Sister Lily, who's been back from her mission in Portugal after six weeks as well. So Isaiah chapter 60, verses one and two, says these words, and as I read it, it says, "Arise." Shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises or is risen upon you. 
I was reading uh, a commentator the other day. He said in his 50 years of counseling, he's a pastor. He says he's met less arrogant people, but actually more people who are, what is it, more uh, damaged from a lack of understanding of who they are. So it's not about them being more than, i.e. in arrogance, and we're not advocating arrogance or anything like that, but it's just talking about confidence. So, because we live in a culture in a day when they say to you, maybe, oh, keep it quiet, keep it sane, keep it tame. But he actually said his observation wasn't that people were struggling in that area. It's this area in a sense of not actually being all that God has called us to be. But the Bible here says to us to arise, to stand up, to emerge, to take your place. And it says your light has come, so everybody has a light. It says your light. I have a light, you have a light. Ultimately, we're talking about Jesus, but it says your light. So you have a light, and your light has come. So that speaks of timing, isn't it? The life works by seasons, doesn't it? We've got summertime, we've got winter time. I prefer summer. Some of you guys might want winter, but there's seasons in life. So that means that with us all who have a light, there comes a time and your moment for your light to shine. Everybody gets to shine. And I believe, I want to say to us, it is our time to shine it's our time to be re-energized it's our time to be reawakened it's our time to be restored it's our time to allow God I think it's Ecclesiastes where he says there's a time for everything isn't there there is a time for everything and this time it's our time to arise it's our time to shine it's our time to allow the glory of the Lord to rise upon us and I'm not sure how your summer has been, where you're at. And there can be a temptation in life, circumstances, and age to just allow it to wash all over us. But these call for, these are verbs. They're action words, aren't they? They're something that you need to do. And as we do that, it allows the glory of God to rise up in us. So number one, we all have a light. Number two, we all get to have our moment to shine. And when that moment is upon us, let's not miss that. Because when you miss your moment, you've got to wait for it to come back another time. And it might take time to come again. But this is our time, our moment. We all have a light. And as we do that, it says God's glory rises upon us. And then it says nations, people will come. So we want people to be saved, don't us? Don't we? All we have to do is arise. All we have to do is shine. Because where the light is, people are drawn to light. It says darkness is out there. Then it says gross darkness. And you only have to look around to see what the world is like. Which tells you it's time for our light to rise and our light to shine. So as we come to worship, can I invite us to do what the Bible says here? Arise. <laughs> Arise. Arise, 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 arise and shine, for your light 
has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. We thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. Our problem, Father, is not, if we have a problem, the issue is not about doing more than, but often that we retract from you in being all that you have called us to be. But this morning, we want to throw up everything that might want to hinder us. Circumstances, mindsets, issues, and just meet you where you are this morning, Father. You said to John in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, to come up higher. And we want to arise this morning to meet you, that it might be in this setting on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Holy Ghost, be with us this morning. Manifest the presence of the risen one in our midst this morning. Let the man at the right hand of the Father, the glorious one, may he receive all the praise, all the worship, and all the glory this morning as the people of God worship you. Hallelujah. 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 We're going for a little while longer. Let's press in.
participated in singing a completely new song. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is releasing melodies this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we sing you one more time to the Lord this morning?
know, in our, in our church, we believe in the biblical expression of worship. That means that if, if it's in the Bible, then we do it. Hallelujah. For some of us, we've come from experiences where expression was difficult. We've come from environments where the expression of love was not there. The expression of, of uh, being embraced was not there. And so, so we, we, we come with our experience and we, give, we express to God through our experience. But we have to express our worship through the lens and the eyes of the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And allow the word of God to be the, the, the principal guide of our worship and how we express our worship. Because experience is not the best teacher. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher. He says in the book of Psalms, chapter 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have to allow the word of God to, to guide us in how we express our worship. Because when we gather like this, it's an opportunity to express our love for him. For all that he has done for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you this morning that every problem, every issue in your life is an opportunity to see God's power. Hallelujah. If there is sickness in your body this morning, it's an opportunity to see God's power. Hallelujah. But there is a response that is required from you in your worship this morning. Hallelujah. So we want to express our love for him this morning. We want to crown him king of kings, lord of lords. We put down all of our titles. We put down all, 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 everything that is important to us. We lay it down before him. And we want to crown him. Hallelujah. Because he's king in the heavens. He's king here on earth. Who is like Jehovah? There is nobody like him. Hallelujah. So I want us to sing with all of our hearts this morning. With everything that is in us. Hallelujah. Crown him king. Crown him Lord of Lords, and he shall reign, and he shall reign, he shall reign forever. Oh, crown him King, crown him King, crown him Lord of Lords, crown him Lord. 
Jesus, speak the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. Just imagine that Jesus is stood right in front of you because his word says, I will supply all of your needs. So whatever needs you have, tell Jesus because he has supplied them. Ask Jesus to give you a revelation as to where your supply is. He will tell you where to go to get your supply. Keep speaking his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, your word says, where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of the earth, you are there. Thank you, Jesus, that you are all around us. You are in us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that your presence gives us rest. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for people that are pursuing, Lord Jesus, your presence, people who are anxious, Father, I pray that your rest, your peace will rest upon them, Father. For people that have sickness in their bodies, Father, I pray that your peace, your rest, Father, will go through every sinew, every fiber in their beings, Lord Jesus. Father, in a few minutes, we're going to have communion and we are going to remember what you did for us on the cross, Father, because you bore all of our sicknesses and you bore our diseases. And the word says, Lord Jesus, that by your stripes, we are healed. So for people, Lord Jesus, that need healing, whether it's from headaches, whether it's from bad, heavy colds, whether it's from cancers, Father, I thank you that the name of Jesus is greater than any of these diseases, Father. And Father, I pray that as people receive, Lord Jesus, the revelation of what you did on the cross, Lord Jesus, that they will know that that sickness has no place in their body. It has no power over them, Father. And as they open their mouths and as they say, Jesus, by your stripes, I am healed. And as they keep saying it and saying it and saying it until, Lord Jesus, that word becomes a truth in their being. 
that they will know that sickness has to flee. So for everybody that's tuning in, for everybody that's here, Lord Jesus, we thank you that the name of Jesus is above all names, all principalities, all powers. And we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Could I ask you to take your seats, please? And then I'm going to call Deborah, please, to come forward for communion. Thank you. Good morning. Hiya. Hello. Good morning. Can I invite you all to come and collect your emblems, please?
For the act of communion. It's by Frank Carpenter. I have read it before, but I think it's so good, it's worth revisiting. Beloved child, though you have wandered far from me, though your very nature repelled me, though your rebellion was deserving of death, I love you still, beloved child. Because of my boundless love for you, I reached out across time for you. I reached out beyond sin for you. I reached out to rescue you. Because of my love for you, beloved child, because of my perfect love for you, I took your sin upon myself. I bore the cross that you should have borne. I died the death which you deserved. I sacrificed my love for you, all for the love of you, beloved child. Because of my sacrificial love for you, I cancelled your iniquity. I cleansed you from the stain of sin. I washed you whiter than snow. I bought you for eternal life. Because of my love for you, I am my father's beloved child. But his love for you is such that he offered me on your behalf. He offered me to suffer and die that he might draw you back unto himself. Because of his great love for you, beloved child. Because of my gracious love for you, I gave my body to be broken for you. I gave my blood to be poured out for you the blood of my covenant and my forgiveness. These I offered willingly because of my love for you. Always remember my love for you. May the bread and the cup ever be tokens between us, taken because you and your love for me. So. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you'd like to take your bread, please. Likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Thank you, Deborah, for leading communion. Hallelujah. 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 I'm just going to pray as they're collecting up the vessels. Father, Father, hallelujah, amen. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your sacrifice upon the cross of Mount Calvary, that we have this opportunity to be here. We have the awesome hope of eternal life and heaven. And indeed, we acknowledge that we're here for a purpose, and we're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Even as we're going to collect our offering at this time, we, we give willingly, we give out of love, reciprocating a portion of that love that you gave to us in paying that price upon the cross at Mount Calvary. Be glorified in this place as we continue to worship you and look to you and endeavor to draw closer to you and to walk with you. Be glorified in us in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers are going to quickly collect the offering at this time. Amen. The church account details will appear on the screen any second now. Amen. If you want to give electronically. Amen. Bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to ask Julie to come forward, please, and bless today's offering in Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you for this gift, or these gifts laid before us this morning, Lord. And Lord Jesus, we pray that this will be a way of enlarging your kingdom, Lord. You do not want anyone to leave this world that doesn't know you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray that these, these gifts will help us to be able to, to reach out to people in places that we've possibly not been before, Lord, to show us the way, Lord, and bless us all. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. Uh, just to remind you that the children are staying in the service this morning. Amen. We'll be having the preacher come to us shortly. But at this time, I just ask you to turn your attention to the screens for this week's announcements. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Bless the Lord. I just remind you all, prayer this Tuesday, if you can make it. Not this Tuesday. Was it last week? Sorry, forgive me. I thought it was the third Tuesday this week. All right, all right. um, God bless you all. I'm going to introduce you to Pastor. I'm going to get out of the way and get with the program. Amen. Who's going to introduce our speaker for today? Amen. Bless you all. Welcome to the month of August, Francis. (laughs) He needs a holiday, he needs a break and time off. I'm just looking up and seeing the young man, Prince. Look at him there. And his, uh, he is serving today. So he's come in his tuxedo and come in his uh, tie. Setting the example. And he has on his tag, Prince, underneath it, says boss. <laughs> the young pastor, praise the name of the Lord. Two things to say before I introduce John. So when we, before we went away, we did say to you, we put a name out there and gave ourselves a couple of weeks and we we're just going to undergo the same process as we do in terms of eldership induction that in the absence of any comments to the contrary we'd adopt that name and I said we we're going to do that this Sunday what I'm going to do is just not press pause in any sense of we're not going to do that but uh, because we've come back on holiday we would just normally touch base with the elders and touch base with the uh, trustees so just allow us to do that work internally among us and we'll revisit that next week Sunday and then formally adopt that subject to any other comments being made and then allied to that and it was was actually Lisa who gave me the idea uh, three Sundays ago just a little competition over the summer not sure how many people bought into that but the idea was to come back with as many biblical RE words that you could think of um, so all entries closed today, if you haven't entered yet, and then we're going to just announce the winner next week, Sunday, and last, I think it was July the 30th, uh, we gave you a couple of rewords, and I believe Francis and Daniel at the back, we're just writing them all down, as many as they could get. Well, there you go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, as we were worshiping, and um, I was just having a moment as we worship, Andrew and the band, thank you guys for leading us in worship. Uh, 1 Kings 17 and 1 Kings 18, where God said to Elijah, he went away to pray, tucked his head between his legs and began to pray. And then he sent a servant to go and look. And he went seven times, didn't he, before he actually saw something faint a small cloud which brought rain. And I just felt in my spirit that there is rain on its way. Heavy rain. And it might take some people once, twice, three times, seven times to see it. But it is on the horizon. And as we worship, it just felt as if God wants to just crash his rain of the spirit in this place. So can I encourage us when we come to praise, when we come to worship, bring that which is due to the King of Kings and bring it from a different place. Because as we do that and open our hearts, we will connect with this rain which is about to be released from heaven. Amen. John needs no introduction. He's a friend of the church. He's also walks in an apostolic anointing. 
And it's always good to have a different preacher and a different voice. Because hopefully they come and they just join the flow and underline and confirm what God is doing in our midst. So just welcome John as he comes to bring us the word this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Remy. Good morning, everyone. Great to come home and to be with you and open the Bible. I still, after all these years, I'm amazed at the privilege of bringing God's word. And I'm still slightly frightened. And familiarity can breed contempt. And uh, I was, before I was born, the word of God was spoken into me. And my mother used to read it out loud when she was carrying me in the womb. And uh, I, I am grateful to God for it. And still in fear and wonder of it. So let's get to it. How's your memories? Good, good enough for an hour ago? So the leader... Well, I'm only going there. The leader starts off with Isaiah 60. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Hallelujah. Just wait. <laughs> so what's all that about? It could be about, quite legitimately, the father of the house saying, come on, let's get up for worship. Let's, um, let's stand up, let's shake ourselves down, let's uh, get our minds on Jesus and give him our best. Quite legitimate. Or it could be a little bit deeper and a little bit further. Over my, my life, I've... I've found Sunday mornings quite easy. Um, Wednesday afternoons are not so good. Now, I don't know what Wednesday afternoons are like for you, but I've just plucked it out. It's the middle of the week. And, and in the realm of exhortation to have a good Sunday morning, everything that the man said is legitimate. But maybe the Spirit of God, if we are... As I preached last time, and as he has said now, we are preparing for revival. The Holy Spirit actually is more concerned about your Wednesday afternoons than he is about your Sunday mornings. This is the reality, church. And we thank God for great Sunday mornings. There's not one pushback in my spirit about engaging with gifted people that can lead us into the presence of the Lord, to bring the word of the Lord, and to raise our voices in prayer and praise. But, but if we are going to rise up to a higher place, it's more than great Sundays. So my, my message today is a little bit Steps to living higher. This man soaked in the prophetic because he was birthed in a prophetic church with a prophetic leader and it bled into all of us. 
Now, now we don't worship the prophetic. We value it. And sometimes it's right and sometimes it's not so right. That's not for me to judge. But, but, but in preparing, I, I, I remember one of the prophecies that came into the church at Nottingham at Talbot Street 20-odd years ago, Remy, may or may not remember it. I'm not quite sure whether you were in the team at that particular time. But this prophecy that kind of logged itself, one phrase of it, caught in our imagination. And the, and the phrase was, you'll have more answers than questions. You'll have more answers than questions. And here I am, 20 years later, and I'm still waiting. Uh, in fact, if, if, and the preacher, the demand on the preacher is honesty, I think I've got more questions, not less. So, was it a dumb prophecy? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that prophecy has to be weighed and it has to be understood and interpreted. And what, what I've come to the conclusion that even since that prophecy was given, you'll have more answers than questions. We have moved inexorably deeper into an even more questioning world. We live in a world that questions every aspect of our culture and our society. Since that prophecy was given, there are questions about our sexuality. We now live in an age where we are questioned about our gender. Authority and, and the structure of life, law and order is being questioned. The rule of law in America is now being questioned because someone doesn't like it. And the, the horror of that situation is not a rebellious, unique individual with whatever talent he's got. It's the fact that he's got something like 20 million people who are willing to vote for him and, 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 and totally dismiss Rule of law. I'm not going into politics. I'm into about the culture of the day that we live in. Because, because the spirit of the age is all about living with freedom in the moment. And we breathe that air, church. We're not in it, but we're of it. And it impacts us of something that lives for the moment. So the question that I pose to myself is, should we be surprised about this? And unsurprisingly, all the questions to our answers are found in the Word of God. You do know that, don't you? Amen. Uh, yeah, well, you can nod. You know, you can be like Churchill on the back seat of the car. <laughs> I'm not impressed by the nod. Do you know it? And the answer is, well, you know it in part, but you don't know it totally. And that includes the preacher. I want to know it more. I want to have even more faith in the word of God than I've had previously. I am greedy for the word of God more now than I've ever been in my life. 
and because the answer is there. And, and I'm going to take you to a passage that is, is, you'll find rather odd in its, in its familiarity, but interesting phrases that come out in 1 Corinthians 13. And those of us that have got any history in the Bible know that this is the great chapter on love. Just as an offset... Paul gives this poem, this beautiful discourse of truth about love into a crazy church living in a crazy world. <laughs> you know, they'd not had a great Sunday morning. Corinth were, was, was in a mess. The church was in a mess and the culture was absolutely demonic. And, and into it, Paul brings some truth. And he says something here that may shock you, may irritate you, might upset you. Verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, prophecy and speaking in tongues... And special spiritual knowledge will disappear. Flipping egg. Because we believe in the prophetic. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in uh, the knowledge of, that comes through the Holy Spirit. But into this situation, he says, it's valuable, it's precious, it's from God, but it's temporary. And, and, and he, he, he then expounds this because he says the reality is now we know only a little. Even the gift of prophecy reveals little. But when the end comes, these special gifts will all disappear. Now, as things are, He's basically saying, we've got buckets of questions. Now we see things imperfectly, as in a poor mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. This is talking about Jesus coming. So he's saying, he's saying to, to, to Corinth, listen, you're brilliant in your spiritual gifts. They're commended for their charisms. But they were living in a crazy world and they were not using their charisms right and, and Paul has to tell them off because they're living spiritually from a human endeavor and perception. And he says, you've got to understand things. You haven't and won't have all the answers because your questions come from a questioning world. And we see imperfectly. And all that I now know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely. God knows me now. Well, it's a bit gloomy, that. And I've not heard many messages on it. Because we like the nice bits, don't we? Don't we? 
Yeah, we all do. And then the apostle says this. But shining brightly amongst this questioning, amongst the temporal use of the spiritual gifts, there is something that is steadfast, will never change, will never move, will be with you until Jesus comes. It is love, faith, and hope. And the greatest of these is love. And he goes off on the great, he's done the great poem. What remains? It's not the fag ends of a broken ministry. He's saying, what is the enduring DNA of the church, of the Christian? It is that we live in love, we live with faith, and we live with hope. So, well, that's easy to say. So, how do we examine it a little bit more penetratively? Three, th three observations about love, faith, and hope. Two of them relatively brief, uh, and I want to major a little bit more on hope. Gosh, how many times have we preached on love? Uh, and rightly so. There's the apostle, the greatest is love. Where do we start? I come to Christ and, and I'm taught, but intuitively I love him. And, and, and the, the pastor, the shepherds, they teach us to, to love God. We never fully understand God, but we can love God. And, and the scripture says we love him because he first loved us. We, we, he's put that instinct within us that I've got a magnetic pull towards love rather than hatred. I, I, I don't look for people who can't stick me to hang out with. But those who like me, I enjoy their company. It's, it's the most human basic instinct that God taps into. We love him because he loves us. So, so we've got that. Um, the next thing that I've, I've, I've taught, and Remy referenced it, or Pearl did one of them in the comments this morning, part of our journey into the love of God is to, is to redeem our understanding of ourselves. And, and, and God wants us to love ourselves as he loves us. It's, it's to do with identity. It's to do with self-worth. It's not nothing to do with arrogance. It's to do with seeing ourselves as God sees us. That's a lifelong journey. Because the thief and the robber still wants you to believe that you're useless. The thief and the robber still wants to remind you of the number of times that you've let him down. The thief and the robber still wants to put it in you. You'll still mess it up even after a great Sunday morning. The thief and the robber say you're going to have to live with Wednesday afternoons all your life. That's what he does. So, so we love him and we, we're taught to love his, uh, one another. The, uh, another aspect about the family of God is, is that we're meant to love the church and love one another. And, and those, some of the first 
historical references to the church was, was, was from, from pagans was see how these Christians love one another. And, and love is all, all great, all true. What I've not heard and what I want to focus on just for a moment is that God says to me, I should love this crazy world. I've got to love the world. I don't like the world. I don't belong here. I understand it. I am an alien. I belong to another kingdom. I breathe different air. I've got a spirit that is not from this world. I belong to Jesus. I'm a child and a son of the living God. And you're looking at a saint. And you're sitting on the seat of a saint. Because we're set apart. And, and all this is, is this, this travail of life. And God says, you've got to more than survive it. You've got to love it. Not love what they do. Not ab absorb their values. But love the world. It's as simple as this. If God so love the world, I, as a son of God, have also got to love the world. Now, I, I, I've got to admit to you, what's my first emotion when I watch the news and, and absorb the issues of the day in which we live in my culture? My first emotion is anger. I, I, I'm angry at sin, at what it does to people. I'm angry at the stupidity of humanity. I mean, it's emperor's clothes all over the place. It's utter madness. Even the pagans understand it's madness. But in all that, and anger is legitimate, we must not let it turn to hate. I hate sin. I hate the devil. But I'm called to love the world. And the ugliness of sin and what it does to people is that there is a danger that at the one hand I become fatalistic and absorb it. Well, that's what it is. And the other danger is the extreme. I reject it all and I live a reclusive, super spiritual life that doesn't engage at all. Neither are permissible. We shouldn't be tolerant of the world we live in. And we shouldn't walk away from it and lock ourselves in a little bit of a box so that we're not contaminated. We should be in it but not of it and love it. So, whatever political affiliation you've got, and all I would simply say into this of the people that make the decisions, number one, the politicians don't affect the culture of this age. It's more deep than that. Number two, the good news is this lot are going soon. And the bad news, the other lot are coming in. <laughs> that's, that's, don't get there too far. Because that will give you a Wednesday afternoon. But the reality is, 
that in it all, with our frustration, our understandable cynicism, our, our social and political and economic biases, all that's permissible within the grace-filled community, we have not got an excuse not to love the world. So number one, put that on your marker, that in your praying, I must love the world. The second thing is what is the prerequisite for the church? I, the calling of God on my life was to the church. Uh, I, I am passionate about the church. God's given me a love for the church. I, I, I preached, I fell in love with Ephesians as a little lad and I preached on it for, for years and I'm not the last word by any means, but I just love it. And I've lived my life serving the church. And so I've got, I've got lots of opinions and experiences about what is needed in the church. We talked last time and, and naturally anything that's got a heart for God wants the renewal of the spirit, revival. The, the, the joy of an engaged worship, the release of the prophetic, the, co the call to love the world, mission heart. It's very, it's very fascinating that Jesus, in teaching the kingdom, hits something that is very contemporary in Luke 18. And, and, and in Luke 18, he, he tells this story of a persistent widow. The issue is justice. Here's, that's, that's one for today. This, this crazy world that believes it's demanding justice. That's an interesting comment. There was a judge in a certain city who was a godless man with great contempt for everyone. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. Good on her. I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman is driving me crazy because I'm going to see that she gets justice, just to shut her up, because she's wearing me out with her constant request. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, don't give up. He's saying, he's saying, you don't get all your answers in one prayer meeting. He says, pray without season. He says, he says, don't just get the energy to pray on a Sunday morning. Kick yourself on the backside on Wednesday afternoon. Pray without season. All good stuff, we know it. And then he says this. Ultimately, justice will come when he comes and brings the kingdom. No one in eternity will say it's unfair. That's a great comfort to me. Those poor parents who are discovering the horror of 13 years of children being murdered, they will. I believe this with all my heart. See their children again. I believe in the resurrection of the dead. 
I believe in the spirit going to heaven, but I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe in a bodily resurrection where the dead shall rise in Christ and be reunited. There will be justice. But all that said, and then Jesus, Jesus is so flipping awkward. If only he'd leave it there. But having told them about justice will come, carry on praying, he says, but as far as I'm concerned, the real key for you is will I find faith? Will I find faith on the earth? Will I find faith? We, Paul and I, a couple of weeks ago, had a, a lovely few days in Ludlow, beautiful little Historic town on the Welsh-English borders in Shropshire. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really my cup of tea. Ancient castles, fabulous architecture, Tudor timber built, Georgian, blah, blah, lovely restaurants, oodles of coffee houses. Great. And um, it's very conservative. The Blue Rintry Brigade are there in their masses. And, and on the last day... Um, with all these lovely people doing their business, visiting the coffee houses and seeing the sights, um, this raucous voice shouts out, and I look across, and a certain unkept, kempt individual was yelling at the top of his voice, big issue, big issue. And I smiled to myself. Because I thought, well done, mate. <laughs> You've got some bottle of all. I, 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 well, and again, we won't go into politics. Do you get what the big issue is? The big issue is faith. The big issue is putting our trust in the living God through what his word says. It's faith. And Luke 18 brings the priority of constant prayerfulness, but it's in the context of an unjust world where anger could easily get in the way, but God says, no, love it, but also in loving it as a church, we should have faith that it will be different. Because God comes. So how do we do that? Well, we can go and go and go. One of the, one of, what, what builds our faith? Living worship. The punters out there won't get it. The best they can do is call us happy clappers. That's all right. I don't mind being called a happy clapper. Quite I am. But, but we know something. It's not, it's not just the melody. And, and I do like melodies note um, but it's something to do with the words that we sing and we sang God-centered lyrics this morning and, and, and I still don't understand this but it's when the divine hits the human and there's a supernatural chemistry and, and God comes to me and I get up to God 
And something happens in my spirit that I believe in the living God who saved me and redeemed me. And all things are well because worship ultimately puts faith into my life. So we do that. The Bible tells me that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. The most important thing in my life, and I say this advisedly because it's the thing that leads to everything else, is the word of God. Well, I know I mean it. And, you, and you, we could have legitimate, well, that's more important, that's more important, that's more, but, you know, and we've got this and we've got, no, for me, I need you to know that reading, imbibing, eating, feeding on the word of God secures my marriage, builds my love for my wife and my kids, makes me secure, brings me in confidence for today, knows that my past has been dealt with, gives me an incredible positive view about the future. The word releases faith. Of course, we don't believe it because we don't read the Bible to that extent. That's for you to check out. And the third thing that I think really builds faith is sharing our life stories. I don't know how we do it. We've got, we've got, we've got media. We've got WhatsApp groups and all, all that capability. I do believe, Remy, in the structure of services. We must, we must give time for for liberated worship. We must give time for the Word of God. But we must encourage one another to share our life stories. When I was a kid, they called them testimonies. We were taught how to give them. And, and there's a bit of waffle and there's a bit of moonlight with it all. And, you know, and, and we have to put up with the thank God that the Lord led me to Tesco instead of Sainsbury's and I got bacon at 50p less. And, and you know, we have to live with all that. But, but in it all, God touches our lives and we need to give him glory and we need to encourage others. It builds Amen. our faith. Move on from the bacon. <laughs> so, let me, let me bring us to really what I want to challenge. Because we should all love the world. We should believe and work on building faith in the church. But the Christian must live with hope must live with hope because if you understand hope as God sees it you understand that hope is more than an emotion it is a supernatural power now well, well what's hope well it's, it's, it's in our idiom it's in our vocabulary and we've, there's a natural perspective you know, for want of a better phrase, it's positive future thinking. It's, it's, you know, I don't hope that I'll have a good wedding. Because you know, it happened 50 years ago. Um, but, but, but I hope, you know, to celebrate my diamond 
anniversary because that's a few years in advance. Um, but the natural caveat with that kind of hope is, is that it's got an attendant doubt with it. I hope. I, I was at Forest Friday night and we won. And uh, I came home filled with hope that we might have a better year this year. And then I looked at the fixture list and we're away at Man United next week. And uh, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the nature of natural hope. It's optimism partnered with uncertainty. It's, it's, it's in the human terms... It's what we get on a Sunday morning after great worship and a decent preach but doesn't reach Wednesday afternoon. Because the ugliness has invaded us and we don't feel full of faith and we don't feel much love and we feel pretty miserable. But hope is referenced in the Bible. We'll call it spiritual hope. The writer to the Hebrews says it like this, verse six, chapter 6. We have this hope, if you want for me to expand, this kind of hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. In other words, it's not a hope that lasts on Sundays but goes on Wednesday afternoons. It's with us all the time. And, and, and so it's different. And, and, and the writer to the Hebrews makes it very clear why it's, it's, this hope is different. Number one, he says it's based on a contract. God has given me a contract of hope. Last month, I got, I got my utility bill. And because I've got on standing direct debit, it, the same amount withdrew. But, 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 I, but I, read, I read my consumption uh, and just checked my units because they'd not asked for my meter readings. And they told me that I'd used 89,000 kilowatts of electricity in the last quarter. That could fuel England. It, it, was, it was humongous. So I was, I was, and and then I read the small print. You know, you will be your direct debit will be adjusted. Blah 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 blah. And you know, and what did I do? I went into my account and I looked at my contract, and my contract says it's waffle. You're all right. I mean, I want to pay it. I'd have been up for them, but um, the contract. <laughs> and my Bible says. Bigger than the lawyers, bigger than the government, bigger than the attorney general, God, who had no one greater to swear by, swore by his own name, I will surely bless you. Ha <laughs> ha. You see, you see, the covenant is makes it certain because it's his promise. And the second thing that I like about it is that it's personal. It's from God to me. You see, and this is the battle. 
I, I, the numbers of times I've had the conversations means that this same attitude is in, in this room as it is in countless thousands of others. Somehow or other, there are certain kind of people that earn the covenant relationship with God more than others. Lie. It's not true. The only difference is some people believe it and live in it and others don't. But the personal pledge that God has made through Jesus, it's a person-to-person promise. That's the, that's the spiritual reality of God-given hope. Now, what's, what's the effects? So I'll, I'll wind things up. Number one, I love this. Hope begins on Wednesday afternoons. Hope meets us where we're at. I love the Psalms. Psalm 42, Psalm 43, three times the psalmist, and time doesn't permit, there's a context that's even more powerful here. Three times the psalmist, and this is a man who loves God, loves the presence of God. He's one of the priestly caste. But three times he declares his Wednesday afternoon. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Number one, he meets us where we're at. Yet the preacher, in case you haven't got it, has his Wednesday afternoons. I have my bleak moments. I have, I have those moments when that mantle of grace that I should love the world and I'm trying harder to love the world and I love people, but some of the spirit of it gets me and I get more angry and rage. And guess what? The peace of God starts to disappear and I get a bit fed up. And I yell at the dog and kick the wife. <laughs> I haven't got I haven't got a dog. And we get and the truth is the analysis my soul has got downcast. And we're all like it. It's not right that the leaders meet us. How are you, Remy? How are you, Pearl? Oh, I had a lousy week. I've had this, you know, and they may have had a lousy week because we're in a battle. But it's not incumbent upon us as leaders to tell, we, we share our burdens with ones and we pray for one. But we, our first confession is not that I've had a Wednesday afternoon week and my soul is really downcast and I'm really disturbed. And stuff is happening to us. It's not the reality of, of, of the, I've living in a dream world where Forrest are going to win every match of the, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, no, it's the reality, the stuff of life, but... Hope in the middle of that Wednesday afternoon is called to emerge. And the prophetic comes, I will. You see, this is not about now praising God. It's not praising God for the past. It's praising God for the future. That my Wednesday afternoons will not last. Because the hope that he's put in me, the covenant and the personal promise will lift me up. And I'll live higher. Hope meets us. 
The truth is, hope finds me if I want it. It's yours. Do you want it? It's yours if you'll believe the word. It's your, it, there's no promise your circumstances will change. There's no promise that the world's going to get better. There's simply a promise that the eternal, supernatural steadfastness of a glorious positivity about your life will burn brightly and you'll say, it is well with my soul. Hope lifts our spirits. It, 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 it is a spiritual thing that touches our souls. And, and it's not my temperament that I'm a half empty or a half full person. And I don't go around singing, always look on the bright side of life. You know, I, I'm not that kind of person. Uh, but but, but it, beyond all that, there is something like the Sunday morning does, constantly by the power of the Holy Spirit, lifts my spirit. And ultimately, hope becomes more than an emotion. It becomes a spiritual DNA that changes my outlook to life. I love the quote of Desmond Tutu, who was a prophet for black minority rights, a prophet against injustice in its vilest form in apartheid, and ultimately became a friend of Nelson Mandela. That's not, and that's what the world's narrative is about Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela. That's not the real story. The story of Desmond Tutu is in his abiding trust in God. And Desmond Tutu, in his biography, said, I became a prisoner to hope. He couldn't escape it. Oh, Jesus. Wednesday afternoon. I can't escape your hope, Lord. When the doctors have given me a bad prognosis, I can't escape your hope, Lord. When the mortgage payments go up again, I can't escape your hope, Lord. When petrol's going up and it's rotten and it's stinking and it's profiteering and, and I want to rant and rage at Tesco and all the rest of them for doing it. I can't escape your hope, Lord. It will not defeat me. Hope rises up because it comes from the very nature of God himself. <laughs> and guess what? It's easier to love the world. It's easier to believe for faith in the church. It's easier to believe that God's word is faithful. It's easier to preach. It's easier to pray for the sick. It's easier to prophesy that revival is coming. Everything gets biased. That's a non-cultural position. Well, stuff it. I'm biased. I'm pro-Jesus. I'm pro the kingdom of God. I'm pro the Holy Spirit. I'm pro the word of God. I'm pro the church. I am nailed my colors to the mass. The, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing because in the midst 
of a questioning life in a questioning world. I'm abiding. Love and faith and hope. Anybody like to join me? And say, me too, Lord. And Jesus, I pray over these lovely people. Number one, to say thank you for this great church. Thank you for the team that leads us in worship. Thank you for the faithfulness to the table of the Lord. Thank you for good shepherds that love us and love you and will continue to prophesy. Thank you for our stories. Thank you for our heritage. Thank you for the years of testament. Thank you, a thousand thank yous. And, but now, Lord, we say we'll rise up. We will take the rungs and we'll allow your spirit to, to touch us in our view of the world. That I'll, I'll choose to believe rather than unbelief. I'll follow the leadership of my leaders. And above all, I'll, I'll let hope arise on my Wednesday afternoons in Jesus' name and above all for your glory, King Jesus. Amen. God bless. Andrew Cameron, please.
Titi at a go cohoni anamasi, Nimpiani and no go goyanti, Tianagi sintagoboshindan. Okigi a Sandi a cocoshi, Cabaho, Coco samasi, canamasin taborondian. Marandian. Goni a son of coroti at a goshin cabasi, Cantantia, Conontia, Conontia parantia, Cantintai, Conoto, Comosi atacabayantia. Koriatata, Kinia Soto, Kimasa Takaba Sintai. Hey, sometimes those paths are rocky, sometimes they're full of grief and full of hurts. But at the end of the day, I am here, standing here to put my arms around you because I love you so dearly. You're my beloved people. Come to me and let me hug you and give you the faith and the hope that you need. Anybody else feel they want to add to that or just anything else? I just had in my spirit that um, in terms of the hope that we have, we have hope in Jesus. And Jesus bore our griefs and sorrows just like he bore our sicknesses, just like he bore our transgressions and he dealt with it. He's dealt with grief and sorrow. So that is where our hope comes from. It's not something that we just have to fathom. It's something that's deposited within us. So we don't have to stay just in a flow where we're just grieved and having to walk through lesser than who God's called us to be we don't have to bear it because God has taken it from us in 1 Peter it says that cast your cares onto the Lord because he cares about you so just cast them on and when those temptations come to worry and to be in a state of grief and sorrow just say no so you've given it to the Lord and just praise him and thank you and you'll feel that situations will just begin to change Amen There's a level, there's a new level of hope. You don't have to work it up. It doesn't come from your own flesh or from your circumstances or from the people around you. It comes from your Father, from the Holy Spirit himself. And it's the fruit of his Spirit, faith, hope, and love. They are all fruits of the Spirit of God. So we need to just relax into who he is and allow his fruit, his hope to grow within us and to overcome everything. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, if you would. John, thank you.
We always want to give an opportunity at the end of our service for people who need prayer. As I talked about, if you're in a place of grief, and I was speaking to your sister Lillian earlier on, just in her missions trip, she talked about there's a lot of healing, but more emotional healing. So, if in that whole area that John's talking about, about hope, and uh, there's issues there, and you just need healing in that whole area, emotional healing for around the idea of hope or grief, then just come forward at the end of the service. Somebody will be happy to pray with you. Father, the Bible says that you so loved your, the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And for anybody here who's never yet encountered Jesus or made Jesus their Lord and Savior or indeed needs to just make a recommitment, then you take your opportunity to do that now. And if you want prayer as well at the end of the service, then you come forward. And now, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Father, thank you that the hope that we have in this world is not natural, it's not man-made, but comes from, as John showed in Hebrews chapter 6, the promise of God. That you could find nobody greater than yourself, but you swore by yourself. We thank you that that is where our hope is anchored. And at whatever level people are believing you for and looking to, thank you, Father, that we will find a new level of hope and faith this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, before we go, just turn to the person next to you. Just have a look at them because you don't know what they're going through. And just say to the person, the last song that Andrew was just playing there, and look at them in the eye and just say to them, it is well. It is well. Just turn to the person next to you. And let's say that to one another. You might have, a, you might have had a Wednesday in the week, but say to the person, it is well. Sam, it is well. It is well. It is well. In Jesus' name. It is well, my friend. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for being in church this morning. Refreshments are served in the Connect Room. And uh, we will see you back here next week. God bless. Thank you.